Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. You're listening to Prime Time on Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly. Now, as economies across the globe look to rebuild post pandemic, a key question is how to build a resilient economy. This was the topic of a panel session I moderated as part of a special ministerial conference for ASEAN Public Health organised by EVYD in partnership with Tomasic Foundation. I started off by asking my panellist, Mr Toshinori Doi, Director ASEAN Plus 3 Macroeconomic Research, how we can strike a balance between economic growth and population health. I think that um, safeguarding public health has been and uh, continues to be uh, the top priority in the region. So until a new treatment is found, I think our collective aim, our collective aim should be to emerge from the pandemic through vaccination and not through infections. So there are still a lot of things that we do not know about this virus. So we need to be um, flexible and patient uh, when we try to organize the uh, full reopening of our economy. So uh, with the resurgence of the virus, we have seen that many countries in the region had to push back uh, the, the plan uh, for re- reopening of the economy. And uh, in the uh, regional economic outlook report that we will uh, issue, unfortunately, we had to revise down the growth forecast for the uh, many countries uh, in the region. I mean, revise down meaning compared to our growth projection that we did in March. When it comes to reopening, uh, I think there's no one-size-fits-all approach. We have to take into account such things as rate of vaccination, uh, the strengths of the healthcare system, the uh, prevailing condition of the economy, and also the remaining uh, policy space available for each country. So in order to to think about how to reopen, I think all those uh, elements will come into play. And it will have to be calibrated to to each country-specific circumstances. It's also important to keep in mind that uh, any policy shift will have to be gradual and also well communicated so that uh, we don't want any surprises, we don't want any unwanted uh, side effects coming from the policy changes. We also have to be aware that given the interconnectedness of the region, there are spillover effects of various containment measures and border restrictions of an individual country to the rest of the region. And we have seen that in the uh, disruption uh, through supply chains and also uh, flow of uh, migrant workers. And uh, this region is at the heart of uh, global supply chain uh, supply chain mm-hmm. network. And it has to, uh, I mean, we have to make sure that it stays that way. And so that it's, it's very important that uh, countries in the region uh, collaborate to make sure that um, uh, we can uh, deal with any disruptions or um, emerging issues uh, for um, coming from future crisis situation. Countries in the region were able to emerge out of this uh, crisis, Asian crisis, even stronger. So uh, if we can find a way to collaborate, uh, make this uh, region more resilient against any future shocks uh, coming from such a spread of virus, I think we can emerge from the pandemic even stronger as compared to the past. Mr. Doi added that if we can find a way to collaborate against any future shocks, as a region, we could emerge even stronger. But while there are challenges on the horizon, there are also opportunities. 
and Mr. Lim Chow Kiat, Chief Executive Officer of GIC, shares what they are from an investment perspective. First, is you know important to state right the primary function of investing is to bridge uh, savings with uh, business needs. I think investors indeed would like to find places where there are good investment or, or business needs. And uh, ASEAN, actually as a region, has many long-term fundamentals going for it. So in terms of opportunities, uh, perhaps uh, we can think about it in sort of two buckets. The first is in the physical side of things. It's quite clear that uh, this region of 600 uh, over million people need to transition uh, in the energy space. And I would expect, you know, uh, a lot of opportunities will come through in, in that space, right, of uh, finding sort of greener solutions. Related to that, uh, even if you think in terms of the physical aspect of it, uh, the e-commerce part of it in terms of logistics, uh, there is still a lot of gap that uh, I think investors can find uh, opportunities to deploy capital. Uh, so these are some examples of the physical side. On the digital side, even more plentiful. You can see that in, of course, in retail, in uh, e-commerce, you know, kind of uh, related investment in finance, fintech, right? I mean, there are a lot of unbanked, you know, people in the region, at least 50% of the population. So that's a, that's a big one, right? Because uh, fintech allows you to get uh, banking services delivered at the at a very low cost. So you can actually launch a lot of mass financial services products. So that's another one. Healthcare, right? You know, that's big in terms of telemedicine, in terms of, uh, I think, sharing of uh, data, doing research, uh, finding solutions. And as earlier panelists talked about, you know, the pressure on fiscal resources, this kind of digitalization and using higher tech, you know, to deal with this issue, I think can go in a in a big way, right? To save uh, to save government a lot of money. So I think from an investor point of view, there are many needs uh, in the society in the various economies, which could offer uh, those kind of uh, investment opportunities. Mr. Desmond Quek, Divisional Vice Chairman, Head of Sustainable Finance APAC, and Global Head of the UBS Group Sustainable Finance Committee adds that growth in the region is likely to be centred around growth in the sustainable and digital space. Here's what he had to say. I think these two actually go quite well hand in hand. Uh, Frankly, our conversations with asset owners, with investors, uh, with our private wealth clients uh, have shown an increasing interest, if you like, in how to finance the transition to a low-carbon economy. Uh, how to bring about growth in a sustainable and inclusive way, how to manage risk and improve uh, the portfolio risk, if you like, looking into the future post-pandemic. And if you look at opportunities, uh, energy, just look at energy transition in Asia alone, uh, there is huge potential for public and private uh, investors, financiers to come together to see how to go about doing this for the region. And if you just look at the research from COP26, uh, they already point to uh, something in the region of $3.6 trillion uh, that needs to go into sustainable infrastructure and perhaps funding annually 
the kind of innovation, uh, the kind of reinvention of business so that we can be a lot more resilient into the future. I see, therefore, our role really in the financial world is to uh, provide uh, in a way that ecosystem to bring the planet, people and partnership ideas together. And here, of course, when we think about planet, we're talking about uh, uh, climate uh, programs. We, we talk about people, obviously, we're talking about health and education. And as far as partnerships go, clearly in ASEAN, within our region, there are huge opportunities for us to partner across jurisdictions, uh, public and private sector, uh, to bring about the kind of uh, connection of people, capital, ideas, that makes for a much more resilient future uh, that's also at the same time sustainable. So what are the characteristics of a resilient economy then? Well, according to the panellists, resilience, diversification and digitalization. I'm Rachel Kelly and you've been listening to extracts from a special ministerial conference for ASEAN Public Health on how to build a resilient economy post-pandemic. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.